Hello, hello, beautiful people of the world. It has been a while. After our little summer break intermission, we are back with another week of DQ with Damani. I'm your host, Le Tigre Damani, my dear. And I do have to say I have been very disappointed with the world of boxing. Very, very, very disappointed. I know you guys saw the Devin Haney match, and I'm going to speak on that briefly. But I would also like to touch bases with you all firstly on what's happening in the heavyweight division. What is going on with Tyson Fury right now? I don't understand why this man is continuously trying to call shots with one belt. Frank Warren has come out today, this morning specifically, on the Boxing Social channel, speaking out against the narrative that Tyson Fury is a greedy man, that he has aspirations to ruin the heavyweight division by stalling the undisputed fight, by ducking other challengers who are meaningful and worthwhile in favor of domestic challengers, which I have also spoken out on my own. But Frank Warren apparently isn't very happy with this narrative. I do have to come out and let you guys know that regardless of what Frank Warren says, this man Tyson Fury is ducking. I'm sorry. Everybody could say, oh, no fighter scared of this guy, no fighter scared of that guy, but I promise you, 100,000%, this man Tyson Fury is ducking. I'm not saying he's scared of the fight. I am not saying that he is scared. I am saying that he is ducking. He is avoiding the fight. Yes, this is, this is a fact. There's no way that you can look at this situation and say that Tyson Fury is being a fair man. There's no way that you can look at this situation and say that Tyson Fury is a just man because he is not. He is not. And I was a very big Tyson Fury supporter initially. Yes, Deontay Wilder, he did have his whole situation talking about the fight shouldn't have been stopped early, lost the fight again. Their series was amazing. But now that I'm seeing this, it really makes me disappointed to see that he's taken such a massive fall from grace Socially, his social credit has declined significantly because of all the stuff that he's saying about Alexander Usyk and his manager. It makes absolutely no sense to be going off on social media calling these guys rat lib, saying that these guys are scared, saying, I obviously this is a clean podcast, I don't like using expletives, but this man has been saying some very unkind things to the both of them. And I cannot sit here on this show and not be completely objective tell you guys the complete and honest truth about this. I can't. I always keep it 100 on the DQ with the money podcast, and I will not stop just because Tyson Fury is getting a little snappy on social media. I got to keep it 100 with y'all. And it's honestly not just disrespectful to Alexander, but his entire team, they put so much time and effort preparing for this man. And I'm pretty sure that they still are preparing despite the fact that they are now on a media run in Saudi Arabia. it It's just ridiculous that they're continuously carrying on, carrying on, carrying on. And Usyk's not even giving him the time of day. He's only responded a total of three times, if I remember correctly. The most recent time he spoke out and said, if you really want that 70-30 split, you best be donating a portion of your purse to Ukraine. You cannot be greedy. You can't have... The entire cake to yourself. That's not how boxing works. It is not. And the fact that he said 70-30 on the biggest heavyweight fight of this generation is absurd to me. I'm sorry. But if you're a Tyson Fury fan, you have to call this man out. 
Go on social media at this man. Tell him to fight Alexander Usyk because at this point in time, this man is ducking. He's ducking. He does not want the smoke. He doesn't. On the other side of the street, we have Anthony Joshua, who right now is struggling to get something done with Dillian White, who once again in his natural habitat has also taken to social media to rant and rave and scream at the camera about how annoying Anthony Joshua is. A few months back after he beat Jermaine Franklin, Anthony Joshua came out on social media and said that he would be fighting November or December of this year with an opponent who is not announced yet. But according to the way things are looking, it seriously looks like Dillian White is going to be his next opponent. I do like this fight for Anthony Joshua. A lot of people were saying that he shouldn't jump straight into the title picture at this moment in time, which is completely fair. I do respect that. I do understand that. A lot of guys aren't satisfied with his performance against Jermaine Franklin. But me, as a combat sports athlete and as an analyst, I do have to say that his performance was excellent. He put on a great showing against him. There was no knockout, which left a lot of people unsatisfied, like I just said. But that does not mean his performance wasn't complete. He showed an excellent jab, showed an excellent cross, and his distance management as well as footwork was impeccable. I loved it. Now, could he have thrown more uppercuts? Yes. Could he have thrown more body shots? Absolutely. But was his performance bad? Absolutely not. So, I do think a match with Dillian White would be very promising for both men. Regardless of win-lose for either man, that does increase both of their stock. I would like to see that match sooner than later. It does not have to happen all the way in November, December. Quarter four of 2023 is absolutely ridiculous. Let's get this fight on right now. If Errol Spence and Terrence Crawford, who I will also be speaking on later, were able to get their fight done, there's absolutely no reason you should be waiting until the end of the year to make that happen. UK fights are ramping up very quickly right now. The cards are really getting stacked. So start this one up. Start it up. Put Lee Wood on there. Lee Wood just had an impressive performance against Lada. I would love to see that man on an undercard of Anthony Joshua. Let's make it happen. Even though he might be disowned, Wood is top rank. It, it, it doesn't matter. Let's make it happen. These promotions seriously need to get more cross-promotion going. There's absolutely no reason that we're having this discussion about sides of the street and all of that. Let's get it all together. Tank Davis, Ryan Garcia event was a perfect example of that. We had PBC. We had Showtime. We had zone we had Golden Boy, we had GTD, we had King Promo, we, we had everybody all under one banner. So there's absolutely no reason that we can't make this happen for Anthony Joshua and all the other UK guys. Let's get it all under one roof. Let's make it happen. Now, it's time to really get to the bread and butter, the meat, the cheese of this week's episode. I'm going to be speaking specifically on what went down in the Devin Haney versus Vasily Lomachenko main event in Las Vegas. Now, a lot of people have been calling this fight a robbery. People have been going up, down, left, right, diagonal, into space, down into the depths of hell to call this a robbery. I think Thoroughly disagree. I'm sorry if you came onto the show thinking that I was going to be furious with the judges, furious with the referee, furious with top rank for not favoring Lomachenko, but that is not the case. In fact, I think it was cleanly for Devin Haney. I will explain my reasoning now. 
When you score a boxing match, you do it based on the criteria of ring generalship. You do it based on the criteria of total punches landed, and you do it based upon aggression, meaning who pushed the pace of the fight, who landed more punches, and who managed the distance and controlled the ring as best as possible. In all three criteria, if you watch that fight with no sound, Devin Haney won the fight. Hands down. People such as Sean Porter rescinded their statements. People such as Shakur Stevenson rescinded their statements. But it seems like the people such as Oscar De La Hoya, who for some odd reason wanted to say that Floyd beat him the same way, which is a very baseless statement, seemed to be under the impression that these guys were out to get Lomachenko from the very beginning. That is not the case. The only rounds that Lomachenko won cleanly, absolutely cleanly, there was no way that Devin Haney won, were rounds 8, 9, and 10. After round 10, and prior to round 8, Lomachenko was nowhere to be found. I promise you, if you watch that fight with no sound, no no crowd, no none of that, you will see exactly what I mean. There were several periods from the first round to the seventh where Lomachenko would land a punch and just start walking around the ring. Just walk. He was glove watching. Let's be honest. Lomachenko was glove watching. He was. He was glove watching to the max. And that is exactly why he lost the fight against Teofimo Lopez. That's the same reason. And people wanted to say that was a robbery. He did not get robbed. This man has issues with inactivity. If you want to be completely factual, let's be real. Let's be real. Let's keep it a buck. Let's keep it 100. This man Lomachenko has issues. Serious issues. And it seems like his team hasn't taken the necessary precautions to avoid, quote unquote, getting robbed. You aren't getting robbed. You just simply aren't applying enough pressure on your opponent. You need to make a serious impression to the judges that you are not being inactive. And that is exactly why he lost that fight against Teofimo. Lopez did not become undisputed champion. Exactly why he lost this fight for the undisputed championship once again against Devin Haney. Because he'll land two good shots, sometimes three or four good shots. And then he'll either back up or start marching forward and not throw anything. He'll apply a lot of pressure with his footwork, but he won't throw any punches. It's not that he's gun shy. It's just that he measures out way too much. He's way too patient. And as long as you are patient, you will drop rounds off. The perfect example of this is the Roley fight. When Tank fought Roley, I was there live. I was there live. So I don't want to hear, oh, you watched it on TV. No, I was there live. This man, Tank, Gave away the early rounds. He did. And if you watch that fight and you disagree, that means you just don't know boxing. Straight up. You don't know. Not only do you not know boxing, you don't know combat sports, period. So I don't think your opinion is worth anything. It's about it's about as worthless as a summer end. So I do not care what people have to say about that. I was there live and I watched it. Regardless of the crowd's reaction, Tank gave away easy early rounds because of the same exact reason. Tank has the same problem. Throws one, two good shots. Sometimes just one shot he'll throw. He'll throw a cross or he'll throw an uppercut and then he'll start walking forward, moving side to side, using lateral movement. 
and not throw any punches. That's why he loses those early rounds, because he's too inactive. And it seems that Coach Calvin Ford may have a strategy, or it may just be a very bad habit of tanks. But regardless, he has the same problem as Lomachenko. So why do people keep this energy with Lomachenko, but they don't keep this energy for Tank? It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. If you're going to call that out for him, make sure that it's the same across the board. Because as we all know, early rounds are important. The early and middle rounds, in my opinion, are the most important. A lot of people will try to argue that the later rounds are the most important. But to me, they are not. They aren't. If you believe that the later rounds are important, the 12th round, or depending if it's a 10-round fight, the 10th round may be the most important because that is the last round that the judges have on their scorecards. That is the lasting impression that you will leave on them. However, the early rounds dictate the pace of the later and middle rounds. They do. That is a fact. That's why Muhammad Ali was able to easily gas out a lot of his opponents. He allowed them to throw higher punching volume. So that when the later rounds came around, he had more energy. He was able to beat his opponents out on pace. That is why. And as long as people continue to spread this narrative that Lomachenko got robbed, we will not be able to hold fighters accountable for their inactivity. We need to hold fighters accountable for their inactivity. You cannot say that these guys are getting robbed when it's simply the fact that they are not letting their hands go. Broner, same problem. Same issue, Adrian Broner. Not letting your hands go, walking around the ring, measuring up, using too many feints. You need to throw punches. You need to. Finally, the fight that we have all been waiting for has been announced and officially confirmed for July 16th. Terrence Crawford, the WBO welterweight champion of the world, and Errol Spence Jr., WBC, WBA, and IBF welterweight champion. Both men at 147 pounds are ranked number one and number two, respectively. We cannot say who will be the ring champion as of yet, mostly because these guys do have to duke it out. We will be seeing who is the superior of the two. Now, the narrative that's been going around on the internet is that Errol Spence is too big for Terrence Crawford at 147, which makes absolutely zero sense to me, considering both men have been at 147 for a considerable amount of time. However, I do understand that Terrence Crawford may be seen as the smaller man because he did move up in weight. Regardless, he still has heavy hands. There's no way you could count this man out. His knockout prowess and his defensive movement showcases every single fight. So how could you say that that man is too small for 147 against Earl Spence Jr.? Makes no sense to me. Got to keep it 100. And you know we always going to do that on the DQ with Damani podcast. I will never let y'all down in a soul. I am not about to start now. As far as who I favor in this match, I can completely say with the utmost sincerity that this is another 50-50 fight. Just like Fulton and Inoue, I got to keep it the same across the board. This fight is 50-50. Either man can take it. Either man can get knocked out. Although we have never seen either man hurt. We have seen Spence take a huge punch. Yes, we have seen that. There have been some big punches against each man. Ugas also rocked Spence to the body. I believe Crawford, he'd almost been sat down once in his career. When he fought Benavidez, he took a lot of heavy punches, especially to the body. So it's pretty clear that both men have solid chins. Both men have 
great body durability. And I truly believe that this is going to be a war. I, I don't believe we'll see a boxing match because both men know how to box. Both men know how to duke it out. And they know how to move in each situation. The distance manage, firstly, from Terrence Crawford, I would like to say is his biggest strength. He knows when to move in. He knows when to move out. He stays off the ropes. And he can also hang on the ropes and make you look goofy if he really wants to. So Spence is definitely going to have to watch out for that. We do know that Spence likes to come forward a lot. He's very patient, but when he comes forward, he comes forward with intent. So Terrence Crawford is definitely going to have to be on the lookout for that. However, the key to victory for both men, I believe, will be the right hand. The right hand is going to win the fight. Terrence Crawford's right hand on either side, orthodox or southpaw, is amazing. I just mentioned the Benavidez fight. And in that fight, in particular, the right hand was the money shot from both stances from Crawford. Errol Spence's right hook to the body is absolutely devastating. And it paid dividends against people such as Sean Porter and Jordanius Rugas. So I do believe that Terrence Crawford is going to have to pay very close attention to where Spence's right hand is at all times, regardless of which stance he's in. He's also going to have to protect his body like he is protecting his money. Because I promise you, if Spence connects on a clean right hook to that body, he's going to feel it. He is definitely going to feel it. And we know that he's been rocked to the body before because, once again, like I said earlier, Benavidez did clip him very solidly and he stepped back, I believe, a series of two times he was hit to the body and he stepped back right against those ropes, almost got clipped, moved right out to the side and resumed in the center of the ring. So I do believe that you should have that pay-per-view loaded, or if you like to do a little, you know, something, something on the side, get yourself a little watchwrestling.to, you know, a little soap today, you know, a little, little suspect sites, you know, you can definitely do that, but do not miss July 16th, Errol Spence versus Terrence Crawford for the undisputed welterweight championship of the world. All right, beautiful people of the world, it's about that time. We have reached the end of another wonderful week of the DQ with Damani podcast. I am your host, Damani Le Tigre, my dear. And I am blessed to be in a new chair at Hartwood College. Yes, yes, yes. We are in a new location. I know you guys can see the beautiful TV and LED lights behind me. We got a lava lamp to my right, which is illuminating my beautiful melanin. Yes, sir. I am looking very light-skinned today. I would like to thank each and every one of you, as always, for tuning in. God bless you all. You guys have been doing an amazing job. My numbers are looking great for this month and the month prior. So special shout out to all of you beautiful listeners out there. Thank you very much. Once again, do not miss July 16th's main event, Errol Spence, Terrence Crawford. And please stop saying that that man, Devin Haney, got an undeserved win. Stop saying that. Stop it. I see you guys saying that on Instagram. Stop it. That man deserved that win. Please show him some respect. That is your undisputed 135-pound champion. Put some respect on his name, man. Yeah, I hate to see a Black King win. What's up with that? All right, y'all. Please be safe on the road. My beautiful wife, 
just north of the screen or audio channel, whichever platform you are listening or watching on. Kylie Marquito, the GOAT on the ice and on the field. Yes, sir. He's giving y'all her blessings as well. So please, whether or not you are driving right now or you are at home, please be safe. You are going to go out this weekend. Please drink responsibly. And where are Johnny? I see you. Be safe, y'all. God bless.